0: So, I wanted to talk about today, what, what, is a, what is a false prophet? Because the Bible says in the last days, false prophets will arise. So, how many of you know that there has to be real prophets if there's going to be false ones? <laughs> you, wouldn't make, you, wouldn't make, you wouldn't counterfeit $2 bills if there was no such thing as a $2 bill. So, some people read the Bible like this, in the last days, all the prophets will be false. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, last days, false prophets will arise. Well, if all the prophets were false, Jesus would have said, in the last days, any any prophet who arises will be false. So the question is, what what is a false prophet? I want to talk a little bit about that. In um, Acts chapter 21, Agabus, I I think he's the only named prophet in the New Testament. I could be wrong about that. In Acts chapter 21, Agabus prophesies about Paul. In fact, we can read it in verse 10. As we were staying there for some days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, This is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, Agabus said that the Gent that the Jews would bind Paul and they would hand him over to the Gentiles What actually happened you can read it in verse 32 and 33 and and Acts 22 verse 30 What actually happened is is that the Gentiles bound Paul and turned him over to the Jews Now what's the point? The point is is that uh, there's a difference between a bad prophetic word and a false prophet you can have you can get the word wrong and not be a, a false prophet. In fact, Paul, in the book of Acts, I think it's the twenty-eighth chapter, they're they're heading for Rome, and Paul says to the captain, he said, Listen, you shouldn't set you shouldn't set out to sea, because if you do, there's going to be loss of life and loss of ship. You'll remember that. In the middle of the next night, an angel comes to him, comes to Paul, and said, Hey, there's going to be loss of ship, but no loss of life. Do you realize that Paul gave a, an inaccurate prophetic word? You say, well, that's a, that's a small thing. It is unless you're on the ship. So you, a, bad, a bad prophetic word or a prophetic word that, that isn't completely accurate doesn't mean, because you give words that aren't, aren't completely accurate, doesn't mean you're a false prophet. It just means that you have prophetic words that need help. (laughs) You need somebody help. Um, So what is a false prophet? In Acts chapter 16, why don't you turn there, verse 16. There's two kinds of false prophets. Verse 16, we're going to read about the first kind. It happened as we were going to the place of prayer that a slave girl having a spirit of divination. Everybody say a spirit of divination Amen. met us who was bringing her master's much profit by foretelling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out and saying, these are bond servants of the most high God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days. But Paul was getting greatly annoyed and turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very moment. And when her master saw that their hope for profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. Now, what's happening here? Here we have a person who has the spirit of divination. What is she saying? These are great men of God. They're proclaiming to you the ways of salvation. Listen to them. Do you realize that her prophetic word was right? She had the right word, but the wrong spirit. Do you know that psychics oftentimes get the word right? In fact, when it comes to crimes, they should get the word right because it's their boss who's committed them. They don't have to be prophetic to know where a missing person is because it's their boss who orchestrated that. Uh, In other words, just because somebody gets a prophetic word right, just because somebody has an accurate prophetic ministry doesn't mean it's coming from the Lord. Do you remember that it was the evil spirits who knew who Jesus was? And they would tell the truth. They'd say, he's the Christ. And Jesus would say, shut up. Somebody once said that you know, that whenever an evil spirit speaks, that it tells lies. That's, that's really not true. That's an oxymoron right there. Sometimes the devil will tell the truth so that he can lead you into bondage. As a matter of fact, it was... The devil, when the devil met Jesus in Matthew 4 and in Luke 4 in the wilderness, he actually used the Bible against him. Do you understand that the word of God without the spirit of God is not true? It's called religion. I personally believe that the spirit of religion is the most wicked spirit there is on the planet. You know, there are levels of evil. Jesus said if you If you cast out a spirit, seven spirits more wicked than the first will return. It's funny that the spirit that attacked Jesus in the wilderness wasn't the spirit of murder or adultery or any of those. It was the spirit of religion. And so it's important for us to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and not just have a relationship with the Bible. Somebody once said that all the answers, all the answers for life are in the Bible. That's not true. All the answers for life are in the author. For instance, I'm not saying there isn't some answers for life in the Bible. For instance, you got saved by reading the Bible. It tells you how to get saved. It tells you how to have a relationship with Jesus. But it doesn't tell you if you're supposed to go to Africa or India. It doesn't tell you if you're supposed to marry Johnny or Henry. It does tell you what sex to marry. this is important it does it does narrow it down to about 49% of the population but it doesn't tell you who to marry in other words all of the Bible is God but not all of God's in the Bible in fact the works that Jesus did John wrote that if all the works that Jesus did were written down the the world itself could not contain the books which means that just three years of Jesus' ministry, not, not all that Jesus did is even in the book. Are you following me? So it's important for us to realize that the goal of the book is to get us in relationship with the author. You can know the book and not know God. In fact, if getting to know the book was synonymous with knowing God, the Pharisees would have rocked. That's another good word. Anyway... Here, this girl has a spirit of divination. She's saying what she's saying is accurate, but it's coming from the wrong spirit. What is that? The first kind of false prophet is a, a person that has a gift, a gift from hell and a bad heart. She doesn't know God and she has a wrong gift. I remember years ago. There was a uh, gal, we, were, we used to pray for people on lines every Sunday night. We still do sometimes, but there used to be hundreds of people lined up on lines. And we had, you know, uh, 50 to 100 prayer servants that would just go around and pray for everybody. And uh, I remember this one night, we were it was a Sunday night, I had just finished preaching. And one of the prayer servants came over and she said, um, Can you come and talk to this gal? She, she has a real problem with your message. I said, Oh, I, I don't really care. She said, Pastor Chris, she has a real problem with your message. I said, I really don't care. She said, Pastor Chris, can you please come over and talk to her? I said, okay, so I go over, she's standing right there. I go over there and I said, hi, um, can, I, can I help you? I didn't know what to say, can I help you? And she's, she's dressed, she's really, she's about 40 years old, she's dressed in a really nice kind of business suit, um, really intelligent lady, and she said, um, I'm a psychic, and I, uh, I direct businesses, and she named a couple of large businesses, so I direct businesses for a living. I said, okay, well, what can I do for you? She said, well, my friend told me to come and talk to you specifically. I said, okay, what for? She said, well, my friend was tormented and for about a year and a half, and she said that she came to you and you took care of that. I go, and? She says, and I'm really tormented, and I don't know what to do. And my friend said, if I would come to you, that you would know what to do. Just like, just, you know, it's like, all right. So I go, okay, well, let's pray. She's like, okay. So she doesn't know, she's never been, she said, I've never been to church before. I've never been in a church before. So I go, let's pray. She's like looking at me like, you're supposed to close your eyes. It's somewhere in the Bible. (laughs) So she kind of, she kind of looks at me. So I start to pray for her for a second. And I said, okay. I said, "Um, you have, um, you have a spirit guide, don't you? She said, yes, I do. I said, you actually have two spirit guides and guides and they're both men, aren't they? They're both men's voices. She goes, "Uh uh-huh. I said, okay, well, those spirit guides are actually demons. She goes, I said, yeah, they're giving you information, but they're the ones tormenting you. She goes, the the spirit guides that are giving me the information are the ones tormenting me? Uh Uh-huh. She goes, huh, well, what do I do? I said, well, I can get rid of those spirit guides and your torment will leave. She goes, okay. And then she says, just very like intellectually. Now, if you make those spirit guides leave, then I won't be able to foretell anymore. Is that true? I said, now I know that she can get the gift of prophecy and all that, but I felt like the Lord said to tell her that's true. like not everybody has to sell everything like the rich kid did, but I felt like that was the word of the Lord. I said, "Mm, that's true. She goes, wait, let me, let me just ask you this one more time. What you're saying is that you can make, I didn't tell her, cast them out. I said, I can make them leave. I said, she's saying you, if you, you can make these spirit guys leave and my torment will stop, right? That's right. But I won't be able to tell the future anymore. I said, that's right. She said, well, how will I make a living? Oh well, I said, I don't know. You'll probably be broke. <laughs> no, I know that that's not true, but I felt like I was supposed to say it to her. She goes, I said, well, let me just make it really simple. You can be tormented and rich or you can be broke and peaceful. She goes, okay. I said, it's your choice. And she said, okay, let me think about it. Let me think about it. I think she's going to go away and think about it. She goes, I'd rather be broke and peaceful it's like that. i really be broken, peaceful. Okay. So, so I said, um, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you, but I want you to close your eyes. And just put your hands out like this. So I, she closed her eyes and puts her hands out. And, and then about 20 seconds goes by. She goes, oh. She said, my spirit guides say they don't mind you. And she pointed to one of our pastors. And they don't mind you. And she pointed to the pressure who brought me over. But they really don't like you. I said, tell your spirit guides I really don't like them either. She said, they said to tell you they know. And I told her, I said, okay, well, before I pray with you, now, if I make these spirit guides leave, I have to give you a Holy Spirit guide that you can channel the Holy Spirit through. And, and I said, so that means that you'll need to have Jesus in your life. She goes, oh, my friend did that, that thing. My friend did that thing. My friend did that thing. She said you would say that. I said, yeah, it, he's the chief of all the spirits. You'll need to ask him inside. She says, oh, okay, I'll do that. So I said, well, why don't we do that first? And so we did that. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's good. And so I prayed for her. And I mean, first I had to walk her through, you know, renouncing all that. It took me four or five minutes. We prayed that and she repented and she asked God to forgive her, da, da, da. It was not not emotional at all. It was just totally matter of fact. (laughs) You wouldn't have guessed the lady was demonized at all. She just acted totally normal. So we prayed for her. And when we cast out, as soon as we cast out the two spirits, it was kind of funny. She went down on the ground in a trance, completely in a trance. Now, you think trances aren't from God, but Peter and, and, and Paul both had trances. She was on the floor for an hour, her eyes flickering, and she was talking to people who weren't there. So I went on and prayed for some more people and about an hour, maybe an hour and a half later, she got up and she comes over and she goes, I feel so good. I feel joy. For the first time. She goes, Since I was a little girl, I've never felt happy. I feel so happy and I feel just joyful. And she's like now she's like now she's being emotional. Before she was just like totally and I feel so happy in it. I feel so joyful. I feel so I feel good. I feel I feel I she didn't use the word peace, tranquil. I feel tranquil all over yeah and I said, Well, you need to um, you know get into a church, oh yeah, my friend goes to a church i 'm going to go with her. She said, I might want to do that after I meet you <laughs> so so the first kind of um, false prophet is somebody that actually has the spirit of divination they don 't know God, so how many know before we knew God, we all had a bad heart yeah. Yeah. okay, so she has bad I mean, hey she this woman here, and anyone who's a false prophet with a spirit of divination, has a bad heart and has a gift from hell. Now, the second kind of false prophet, Romans 11:29 says the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. What does that mean? It means that if once you receive Jesus and God gives you gifts and callings, not just gifts, the gifts and callings are irrevocable. Once you receive Jesus and God gives you a gift... He doesn't take it back if you walk away. I know, I've talked to God about this a lot. thought he should change this. I crossed it out in my Bible and rewrote it. That was a joke. You would think that when if a person's called, let's say called to be a prophet, and they walk away from God, that they, the, they, the call stays with God. But actually, the call stays with them. So what happens when someone's called to be a prophet like Jeremiah... In Jeremiah 1, uh, Jeremiah is called to be a prophet from birth. God says, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. And before you were conceived, I called you as a prophet to the nations. Some people are called as prophets from birth. Some are called after they're born again. But the point is, is that once you're called, let's say you walk with God for a season, and then you walk away from God. You get to keep your stuff. But here's the problem. There's a different spirit anointing, The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable, but the anointing on that gift is coming from the wrong spirit. So what happened? Now we have somebody that has a gift from God. The gift is actually from God, but they have a bad heart. They've walked away from God. They've turned their heart away from God. A great story, uh, a great illustration for this is in Numbers 22 through 24, the chapter 23 through 24. It's a story of Balaam. Remember Balaam? He's called a false prophet, and he wants to curse Israel. Balak is going to pay him to curse Israel. He's interacting with God. He's getting his information from God. God's actually talking to Balaam. Why is he a false prophet? He has a gift from God. His information is coming from God. But he's got a heart against God's people. So he's a false prophet. He has a right gift, but the wrong heart. Sometimes people, sometimes people have, who walk away from God take their stuff, with them And they become They become false prophets 1 John 4 We're going to get into 1 John In just a minute But In 1 John 4 John opens with this statement Beloved In other words Lovers of God Beloved Lovers of God Don't believe every spirit But test the spirits To see if they're from God For many false prophets Have went out into the world What's he saying? Beloved That's us Beloved Don't become a false prophet By listening to the wrong spirit That means that you can. That means that you can be on the right track, start listening to the wrong spirit, and end up in the the enemy's camp working for the enemy. Being being a vehicle for the enemy. I want to turn to um, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Jesus said this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaged wolves. You will know them by their fruit. Grapes are not gathered from... Uh, bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. So uh, a good tree, so every good tree bears good. Oh, I read that right. See, I needed to repeat that for some of you. The Holy Spirit told me to do that. Either that or I'm wrong. A good tree cannot produce bad tr- fruit. Nor can a bad tree produce good fruit verse 19 every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire So then you will know them by their fruit Not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven But he who does the will of my father everybody say does the will of my father Many will say to me on that day lord didn't we prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles then I will declare to them I never knew you. Everybody say, I never, you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Everybody say, lawlessness. lawlessness. There, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, slammed against that house, yet it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does, does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, slammed against the house, it fell, and great was his fall. Now this is interesting because we oftentimes share that parable about the, the man who built his house on the sand, the man who built his house on the rock. We seldom forget that the, the context is false prophets. He's saying, listen, false prophets are like people who build them, their, their house on a sand. What's he talking about? Well, the first thing he says is, he says... He says, listen, someone will come to me and say, didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we prophesy? And didn't we do miracles? He doesn't argue with them that, he doesn't argue the fact that they've done miraculous things in his name. He says, I never knew you. So let me say this. One of the the signs of a false prophet is they can move in power. False prophets can move in power. They look like sheep, but inside they're actually wolves. And, and, and how do you tell the difference? Jesus said this. He said, they're lawless. And then he, just, then he gives you a parable. He gives us a parable to describe what he means by lawless. He said, listen, there's two guys. One guy built his house on the rock. One guy built his house in the sand. The guy that built his house on the rock is the guy that heard the word. He heard the word and he did it. He did what God told him to do. He was able to be corrected. He was able to be chastised. He was able to be disciplined. Are you, are you following me? He's like, we're called disciples. We were never called Christians by Jesus. We were called disciples. It comes from the word discipline. He, this guy who built his house on the rock, he was teachable. He was moldable. He was correctable. The word could prune him. There's this other guy. He heard the same word, but he's, he's the false prophet. What's what happens with him? He hears the word, but he can't be corrected. He can't be directed He's not teachable. He's not moldable Jesus said he's he called him lawless And what does he do? He built his house on sand. Why sand because sand is particles of rock? How many know that? Uh, that that sand is a piece of a rock and many many people build their ministry on one scripture They build their whole ministry on one passage of scripture In fact, you know, there are things that are anti-biblical They're anti-the Bible There are things that are biblical And there are things that are extra-biblical Not everything that's extra-biblical is anti-biblical Do you understand that? We said just a few minutes ago that all of God is in the book But not all of the book's in God But not all of God's in the book God's bigger than His book so there's lots of things that are extra-biblical. I struggle with people that build their whole ministry on something that's extra-biblical. I'm not talking about anti-biblical. In other words, you can't find a scripture against what they're doing. But you can not find what they're doing in the scripture. I don't have a struggle with people having extra-biblical stuff. And the truth is, probably every minister that, that, is, that is walking this planet has extra biblical stuff you may not even know it it's like let's bow our heads right now and pray well bowing your head is not in the bible watch and pray is i'm not saying there's anything wrong with bowing your head i'm just saying it's not in the bible if you want to receive christ raise your hand not in the bible it's extra biblical ministry come forward repeat this prayer none of that's in the bible the way that we lead people to christ isn't even in the bible it's extra biblical but here's my point. I think there's something wrong when your ministry is extra biblical. Like the main core of what you do and what you preach is not in the book. Okay. That was a good word. It's when you build your whole ministry on sand. Part You grab one scripture and that's your ministry. I, I struggle with people whose whole ministry Jesus never preached. The apostles never spoke on it one time, but you found a passage and it became the main part of your ministry. Uh, Am I saying, well, well, those people are all false prophets? I'm saying, no, I'll be careful because you're heading in the wrong direction when the core of what you teach and live isn't in the Bible or isn't a main theme. You're shouting things! God whispered. I'm like, wow, I'd be careful that you're you're shouting things Jesus never emphasized the apostles never lived and you and it's the it's you you've written books about it you, you 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 know you're you know what I'm trying to say I'm saying we have to be careful that we don't make the that we don't get away from having the main thing be the main thing okay Um, false prophets out of Matthew 24, 24 false prophets and false Christ will arise and show great signs and great wonders so to mislead people if possible even the elect false prophets lead people to themselves they become the answer L- let me tell you something you don't have to be a prophet to struggle with this whenever you become the answer instead of leading people to Jesus as the answer you, you have a false ministry I think there are a lot of as many false counselors as there are false prophets People who give people just enough to get well from that incident, but they don't actually connect them to the answer They give them a answer, but not the answer There are you know what there are people who need to be needed so bad that they make themselves the ministry Uh, I struggle um, Just I've said this many times I struggle with people, they, they'll come up and like, do you have a word for me? Yeah, maybe, maybe I do, maybe I don't. I give them a prophetic word. A month later, they're like, hey, do you have another word for me? I'm like, wait a second. I shouldn't be replacing <laughs> your relationship with God. Prophetic people should not replace people's interaction with God. Yeah, I have a word for you. Read your Bible. I have a word for you. Pray. I mean, in in the Old Testament, the prophets had the word of the Lord for people because people didn't know God. In the New Covenant, we're supposed to have a relationship with God, and the main ministry of the prophet is to equip the saints to do the work of service. What do prophets equip the saints with? Eyes to see and ears to hear. Our main business is hooking up the telephone in your house. If we replace the phone in your house, you have to run to the phone booth every time you need a word. Something's wrong. Okay. Turn to uh, 1 John 4. We're going to end with uh, this chapter. I quoted you the first verse. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God, because many false prophets have gone out in the world. Now, I think what... um, some of us fail to realize, I, I didn't realize it till I, I read first John many times that first John four is all about false prophets. So he goes on to say, By this you'll know the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Now, let me back up. He says, Beloved, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they're from God. Now, what's the next what's the obvious question that arises from that statement? How do I test the spirits? Well, if I could become a false prophet by listening to the wrong spirit, I better know how to test the spirits because I don't want to become a false prophet. So the the natural question that arises from John's statement is, how do I test the spirits? And so all of chapter four is actually the answer to that question. How do I test the spirits? And here's here's what he says. By this, you'll know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you've heard is coming and is now already in the world. Now, a couple of points. He says, here's the first test. If the spirit does not confess that Jesus came in the flesh. In other words, anyone, any spirit, any person or, or any person who's, who's being motivated by a spirit that does not confess... That Jesus is the is the redemptive power of God, is not from God. And it says, this is the spirit of antichrist. You'll notice it doesn't say anti-Jesus. The, the, the devil is not anti-Jesus. In fact, he's pro-Jesus. He's anti-Christ. Christ Christos means the one anointed or the one who has power. The devil would love for you to receive a powerless Jesus. But he doesn't want you to receive the Christ. The one who's anointed to break the powers of darkness in your life. He's not anti-Jesus. He's actually pro-religion. He's anti-Christ, Christos. You may not have thought about it this way, but when people preach a powerless Jesus, they're actually, they're actually listening to the an anti-Christ spirit. And you'll notice the next verse says, That there are already many antichrists in the world. How many know that the antichrist is already in the world? How do I know where he is? Anybody who doesn't think that Jesus is powerful enough to totally transform them is listening to the wrong spirit. You're saying there are false prophets. I'm saying, no, but they're listening to the same spirit that a false prophet listens to. Listen, Jesus didn't just come to, to forgive your sins. He came to transform your life. When you receive Jesus, you're no longer a sinner. You become a saint. I'm not a sinner. Well, you were. But when you received Jesus, you became a saint. The power that that forgave you also transformed you and made you a new creation. The word new there means never before created. You became a creature that never graced the planet when you received Christ. The power of God didn't just forgive your sins. It transformed your soul, your spirit, and even your mortal body, according to Romans 8. You'll notice i got a whole new body. Jealousy won't work for any of you. Okay, look at verse 4. You are from God, little children. You've overcome them, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world. The world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. He's still talking about, he's still talking about false prophets. And what's the next test? He says, they don't listen to us. False prophets don't listen to people in authority. God tells them everything. We've had, uh, over the past 30 years, I've personally dealt with five false prophets. The first false prophet I ever dealt with was in Weaverville. It was a man. I won't tell you his name. It's being podcasted. But when I met him, the first year, year and a half, I thought he was the most spiritual man I had ever met in my life. Jesus told him everything. I mean, everything except for when to go potty. I'm serious. He'd say, I'd say, well, that's a nice shirt you have on. Oh, so Jesus told me to buy it. Jesus told me to buy these shoes. Jesus, and I mean, you know, I understand that God can tell you those things and does at times. I'm just trying to say that his his that three out of four of his sentences would be. Well, the, well, the Lord said the Lord told me the spirit told me the, the God, God told me. And I realized after being in a relationship with him for about a year and a half that what he's really saying is you can't tell me anything because God tells me everything. And, I, and after getting to know him, and I, I knew this man for many years, after getting to know him, I realized see, he had a really abusive household. His father uh, abused him, molested him. His mother abandoned him. And what he learned is that authority was scary. So what he did is he he decided that people were scary. That, that uh, uh, people, the authority that had a face and a name was scary. So he retreated into actual alter uh, spiritual state where everything was. God told him everything. What he really meant is, you can't tell me anything. And how many people have you talked to? And, and they and you say, you know, do you go to church someplace or where you know where, they go. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, that's funny because the Lord happens to be invisible. So how do we know if you're following the Lord because He happens to be invisible? See, if you can't, if you can't be under authority that you can see, don't tell me you're under authority you can't see. That's right. So John says, listen, they went out from us because they were never with us, and the reason they weren't with us because they didn't listen to us. I, I remember uh, the first few years that... That I was at Bethel, as one of our counselors And people would come to my office and say You know, God told me that I'm supposed to leave Bethel and do such and such What do you think? Well, I think God's wrong (laughs) Do you understand that when you state something Thus saith the Lord, or the Lord told me And then you ask people what they think That what you really said is You better not disagree with God And and I I may may have um, swung the wrong way, but our prophetic teams I teach our prophetic teams everybody in our prophetic teams and in our school ministry I teach them to say I feel like the Lord is saying I Feel like the Lord, see if someone comes to me and says I feel like the Lord is saying I'm supposed to leave Bethel What do you think? Well, that gives me an open door to speak into it if they say the Lord said to me I'm like, okay. I remember this one person this couple came to my office and they said the Lord told us They really did say we're supposed to leave Bethel. We're supposed to go to such and such place and we wanted to come in and see what you think about them. I said, are you asking me... Are you asking me if you're supposed to go? Well, yes. I said, you just told me the Lord told you to go. I said, yeah. I said, well, how can I argue with God? I said, did you come in for me to bless you in going? Or did you come in for my opinion? Because it sounds like you already got an opinion from someone who matters. And after we talked for a few minutes, they are like... "Ah." Uh, yeah, we really we really have already made up our mind to go I'm like, oh, that's why the Lord told you You didn't get that but anyway It's really important that we realize see Paul's teaching about about prophecy in first Corinthians 12 and, and 14 He's teaching about the gift of prophecy. Look it up the gift of prophecy And then when he comes to judging when he when he talks about judging prophetic words in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others pass judgment. It's interesting because he's not talking about prophets anywhere in 1 Corinthians 12 or 14. He's talking about the gift of prophecy. But when he talks about judging words, he says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others pass judgment. What's the point? I think he's saying, listen, not only does prophecy need to be judged, but even the words from prophets need to be judged. Be careful when you think you're, that you're so special, you have such a great relationship with God that what you say is always accurate. Yeah, that's what I believe. I remember um, years ago, about 16 years ago, we, I had a business, Kathy and I had a business in Weaverville. We had an auto parts store that was doing quite well. We were pretty successful. And um, I had a a manager, an assistant manager, and basically I'd come in a couple hours a day and I was pretty bored. And my guys were kind of like, ah, do you have somewhere else to go? And my business just ran itself. And I remember telling Kathy, I remember laying in bed one night just telling Kathy, I am so bored. I am so bored. I go to work every day. I I do about two hours worth of work and I hang out for the next six hours. I'm like, and one day um, in that season, I came to Reading. And I was picking up some parts or something and I drove by the uh, where the big O is on Cypress, and there was an empty building right next to big O. It said for rent. And while I was driving by, I felt like the Lord said, that's your next parts store. I want you to get that building. That's your next parts store. So I had um, two guys. I have two, I had two guys, uh, Charlie Harper, who's on our staff now and Kirk Olerson, we were like accountability partners in business. And I came home that day, I won't forget, the next morning I asked to see them and we met. And I said, I really feel like I'm supposed to open a part store in Reading. And we we talked through it for about an hour. And uh, I think it was Charlie who first said, I I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think that's the Lord. And Kirk said, well, if it is, the timing's terrible. You have no money. You have no cash. You'll have to borrow it all. The borrower becomes the lender's slave. I don't think that's a good plan. Well, we went on and on. And the short story is I ended up opening that store. (laughs) <laughs> I have to listen to uh, rather obey God than man the end of that story I'll fast forward the end of that story is I lost everything I lost my house I remember the day that I saw my two cars I got up at about three o'clock in the morning and both my cars were going out of the driveway with people in them and I called the police who were they were all friends of mine I called them I knew, I knew everybody everybody knows everybody and we were real. The dispatcher answers the phone, and I said, Andy, my car, someone just stole my two cars. And he goes, "Uh, Chris, uh, they didn't steal them. uh, They repossessed them. Uh, And it would have been nice if I just, you know, if I would have lost everything. That would have been okay. But I lost everything. You know, that's zero, right? You lose everything, that's zero. I lost my house, the house that I built that all of my kids grew up in. I lost all three of my businesses. I lost everything but my furniture and, my, and I got my cars back, my two cars. And then on top of that, I owed $1.6 million when it was over. And I was working at Bethel for 2000 a month. Actually, when all that happened, I was working for free. The next year, I got 2000 a month. So you can figure out, like, 2000 a month, how long it's going to take to pay back $1.6 million. How did that happen? Chris got a prophetic word for himself stepped out in faith. Didn't listen to his friends that he made himself accountable to. It's like, are you a false prophet? No, I'm just broke. I guess I am a false prophet because I don't have any profit. I'll tell you, for a long time, Bethel Church was a non-profit organization took about five years to pay that back. So, um, what's the point? False prophets don't listen to anybody. I'm telling you, like, I don't care how spiritual you are, how, what your track record is. Prophetic ministry should be judged, and you need accountability. I, I shared this last week, but I think that we're trying to develop... I see fathers, prophetic fathers and prophetic mothers, developing a prophetic culture. Not just training and equipping people, but developing a prophetic culture where there are refs and where there are coaches. I, I, I shared this last week, but I played basketball, I played basketball, but I've never made it on a team. I went out four years in a row, but like Michael Jordan, I didn't make the first year or any other year. I never played, I've never played basketball on an official team. So I've never had a coach, and I've never, I've, there's never been a ref in any game I've ever played in. When I go to the Y and play with the guys, the guys that have been coached and ref, you can tell the difference. You know why? I foul to stop someone from shooting, because I've never had to shoot three throws before. They all scream at me, what are you doing? I'm like, stop the guy from shooting. But they've played with refs and coaches, where there are penalties when you foul. Most of the prophetic ministry that I see happening globally, there are no fouls and there are no coaches. People just do whatever they want. They put prophetic words on the Internet. Thousands of people read them. When when their word is wrong, they withdraw them from the Internet. Never even say, I'm sorry. Never even check with somebody when they have major events they're prophesying on the Internet. And you look, (laughs) get on a soapbox. I can tell you that there are people who have been wrong for 30 years. I have somebody call me They write me Every time someone puts a major prophetic word About America or the world People write me And they're like What do you think about this? I go Why don't you just go back And look at their track record I'm not saying they're false prophets I'm just saying they're bad ones There's a difference between A false prophet and a bad prophet A false prophet has an evil heart A bad prophet just gets everything wrong I don't know a prophet That gets everything right I don't know a prophet That gets everything right But you ought to, you know, 51% would be nice because you could guess better than that. Okay, let's move on. I'm almost done. Let's just go on. We're still reading about false prophets. Beloved, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Did you notice this in the same chapter as as, as the subject of false prophets and testing evil spirits? Are you following me? This is still about false prophets. Beloved, you know, we used to sing, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. How many of you remember that song? It's about false prophets. (laughs) He's saying, you want to know how to discern false prophets? Listen, if you love one another, then you're not in the spirit of Antichrist, that false prophet spirit. If you hate your brother, it doesn't matter how accurate your prophetic words are, wrong spirit. So what's what's the next test of a false prophet? Is he or she motivated by love? Is he or she motivated by love? Paul said speaking the truth in love. He didn't say loving to speak the truth There is a difference <laughs> Jesus said that uh, that a righteous man lays down his life for his friends But how many know there's a lot of people who lay down their friends for their life? Say anyway, let's move on He goes on um, by this the love of God is manifest. And he talks about love Verse 10, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son. Verse 11, beloved, God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Verse 12, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Verse 14, we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and believe the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Verse 17, By this love is perfected in us, that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Did you notice it says the day of judgment, by the way? That's seven times in the New Testament. A day, not days, day of judgment. Because he, because as he is, so are we in this world. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. Everybody says there's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. The one who fears is not perfected in love. I just want to finish this point. Did you notice that the subject is still false prophets? What's the point? He says, listen, he's, for nine verses. He says, you got to love one another. Listen, God loved you first. Listen, God died because he loved you. Jesus died because he loved you. Listen, you got to love your brother If you hate your brother you're in they're moving in the wrong spirit and he goes on to tell us about the attributes of love And he says this listen if you're moving in the right spirit If you're watching people who are moving in the right spirit, this is what it'll look like. They love people They lay down their life for one another. They do things out of motivation the motivation of love and then he says this love is Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. He who fears is not perfected in love. What's the point though? False prophets, their main ministry is the ministry that creates fear. And he says, fear is not from God. Let me back up. I don't have any problem with somebody that has negative words once in a while. Sometimes... Like Agabus prophesies that there's going to be a famine. You'll notice that when he prophesies there's going to be a famine, he doesn't tie it to somebody's sin in the New Testament. He doesn't say, There's a famine because you sinned. He just says, There's going to be a famine. He looks ahead and he sees a natural disaster and he goes, Hey, there's going to be a famine. You better prepare for it. Much like Joseph did with Pharaoh. Didn't tie it, he, he did, Agabus didn't tie it to someone's sin. He just said, I see a famine coming. I have a struggle when we create, when our main message, prophetic message, creates fear in people. He says, he's talking about, listen, this would be, this would be a powerful verse on its own, wouldn't it? It says, perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. He who fears is not perfected in love. That's a powerful verse all by itself. You can just take that as a standalone verse, put it on your wall and live by it your whole life. That's a great verse. But the context The context Supercharges that verse Because the context is false prophets Are you following me? Something is wrong When your main prophetic ministry Creates fear Like well they did that in the Old Testament That is Old Testament ministry It's important for us to realize That we didn't get in the kingdom Through our works but through his Jesus said this, he said, He said, The law and the prophets were preached until John. Since that day, everyone's forcing their way in. What's that mean? The law said, You don't you listen, you didn't keep all the rules, you can't come in here. You can't come in, you don't deserve to come in. See all these rules? See all these rules? You didn't you couldn't, you didn't, you didn't, couldn't, that did, you're out. The prophet said, You deserve to be judged. You didn't keep the rules, you deserve to be judged. You can't you can't come in here. But John lost his head. That's how he died. He lost his head Why? because God changed that way of thinking in the New Covenant. How did you get in? Since that day, everyone's forcing their way into the kingdom. How did you get in? You forced your way in. How did you get in? Through a violent act of grace. Jesus, you were hidden in the Trojan horse. You were hidden in Christ. You got in by his works, not yours. You got in by a violent act of grace. It's funny once you get in that you want to judge people who can make it in by theirs. Why is it that we got in through his, act, his, his works, but we expect everyone else to get in by theirs? Do you realize that when you judge people for their sins, that you've forgotten that you didn't get in through yours? You didn't get in through your righteousness. You got in through His. As soon as you judge people for their sins, you've forgotten that you deserve to be judged too. Well, those people deserve to be judged. Well, so do you. So do you. You couldn't see the point of the Old Testament is you couldn't do it. That's the point of the Old Covenant. To show you, you couldn't do it. Isaiah cries out, there is none righteous, not one. We know people can't get in through there. Well, that person is promoting pornography. And what are you doing? In the last days, there'll be grumblers. (laughs) There'll be homosexuals, murderers, and grumblers. Oh my God, it's not going to get that bad. All I do is grumble. Um, yeah, so you just do socially acceptable sins. See, the worst sins are the ones I don't do. I know which sins are worse. They're so the ones that I don't do. If I do them, they're little sins. The first John says they don't lead to death. I don't know which ones they are, but they're the ones that I do. I don't know if you're getting this. And your point is, don't believe the wrong spirit. Test the spirits to see if they're from God. It's important. We got in through mercy and grace. James says that judgment will be merciless to them who've shown no mercy. I don't know about you, but I need mercy. How many of you don't need mercy? You're so awesome. Jesus is in the room. Jesus judge cities. Jesus never sinned. There's a whole different He doesn't need mercy. You do? Well, unless you're Jesus. I met a transient said he was Jesus. I don't think he was though. He didn't have a beard. Okay, why don't you stand? Let's pray. Oh, it's one o'clock. That's because Danny went so long. (laughs) Prayer. That prayer thing. Holy Spirit. Everybody? Okay, assume the position. (laughs) Assume the position. Hey, this worked for the psychic. Assume the position. (laughs) Formula Christianity. worked once. Do it again. Holy Spirit, we just... <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Okay, let's be serious. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Please, you guys. Holy Spirit. We pray for the, your gift of discernment to be on these people. Danny, can you come finish this? Thank you.